Hello baddies. Oh my gosh. I miss you guys each and every time. I am so excited to start this new book and I cannot lie to you. I was a little bit nervous about The Alchemist because this is going to be my first fictional book that I have ever read or reviewed or talked about on Book Club for Baddies. So pretty much all of the other books were all just nonfiction, straightforward, give you the juice, give you the information. And The Alchemist is a fictional story. It has a plot, it has characters, it's got climax, it's got everything going on. And I was a little nervous because I didn't want to leave out parts of the book that I felt were really important or run over parts too quickly. So it took me some time to really figure out how to present this book on Book Club for Baddies. And I hope that I do it justice because this book has been an amazing book. I probably say that about every single book that I read, but it's true. It is a story about a boy named Santiago, which we will go through more as I kind of introduce you into the book and the storyline, but we follow his journey and we learn through him. And I think that's kind of what we do in Book Club for Baddies. We read these books and we learn from each other and that's the beauty of it. So I also thought this was a really great book to end the year 2022. However your year was, I hope that you can go into the next year with an open heart, an open mind, confidence in yourself, and I think that this book will give you all of that. So let's get to it. I like to start off with a little bit about the book and the author. So The Alchemist was first published in Brazil and the author says no one noticed. A bookseller in the northeast corner of the country told him that only one person had purchased a copy of the book the first week it was released. And then it took another six months for the bookseller to unload a second copy. So he didn't have immediate success with his book, but he never gave up. He said, I never lost faith in the book or ever wavered in my vision. Why? Because it was me in there, all of me, heart and soul. I was living my own metaphor. A man sets out on a journey, dreaming of a beautiful or magical place in pursuit of some unknown treasure. At the end of his journey, the man realizes the treasure was with him the entire time. It took eight months for an American visiting Brazil to pick up the copy of The Alchemist, and he wanted to translate the book and help him, the author, publish it in the United States. It still took time to sell in the States, but then one day Bill Clinton was photographed leaving the White House with a copy. Then Madonna raved about the book to Vanity Fair and people from different walks of life, and suddenly they were talking about it. The Alchemist became a spontaneous and organic phenomenon. The book hit the New York Times bestseller list, an important milestone for any author, and stayed there for more than 300 weeks. Everyone asked him, did he think The Alchemist would be a huge success? And he said, no, he had no idea. How could he? When he sat down to write The Alchemist, all he knew was that he wanted to write about his soul. He says, I wanted to write about my quest to find my treasure. I wanted to follow the omens because I knew even then that the omens are the language of God. And he talks about that a lot in the book. So that's just a little kind of introduction about the author, about the book, and just kind of showing you it wasn't an instant success. 
We all are works in progress and everything takes time. So we start the story off being introduced to the young boy, Santiago, who is going to be our protagonist throughout the story. And he lives in a region of Spain called Andalusia, which is the English pronunciation of the word or Andalusia, which is supposedly the Spanish pronunciation of the region. So Santiago is a shepherd and he travels to different villages so he can sell the wool from his sheep. And he comes across this beautiful young girl who is a merchant's daughter whom he sells his wool to. So he stops by the merchant's shop and the merchant leaves him there for a little while to go and handle some other business. And Santiago ends up talking to his daughter while he's away. She notices that He is reading a book while he's waiting for her father to come back. And she says, I didn't know shepherds knew how to read, said a girl's voice behind him. The girl was typical of the region of Andalusia with flowing black hair and eyes that vaguely recalled the Moorish conquerors. He says, well, usually I learn more from my sheep than from books, he answered. During the two hours that they talked and spoke of life in the village where each day was like all the others. The shepherd told her of the Andalusian countryside and related the news from other towns where he had stopped. It was a pleasant change from talking to his sheep. She said, how did you learn to read? The girl asked at one point. And he said, like everybody learns, he said, in school. Well, if you know how to read, why are you just a shepherd? And the boy mumbled an answer that allowed him to avoid responding to her question. So Santiago actually went to school before to become a priest because that was more of a proper and respected career choice, I guess. (laughs) And so his parents really wanted him to become a priest because it looked good for the family. It looked good for him. And Santiago pretty much just told them, I don't want to do this. This isn't what my passion is telling me to do. This isn't what my heart's telling me to do. I want to travel. I want to see the world. I want to go different places. And his father said, okay, well, shepherds do that. So if that's what you want, I will help you. And he ended up giving him some money saved. And he took that to buy his herd. It says here in the book, his dad gave him a blessing. It says the boy could see in his father's gaze a desire to be able himself to travel the world, a desire that was still alive, despite his father's having had to bury it over dozens of years under the burden of struggling for water to drink, food to eat, and the same place to sleep every night of his life. So this is kind of bringing us into the idea of where the whole like major lesson is his dad had these dreams himself He wanted more for himself. He wanted to travel. He wanted to do all of these things and he couldn't because he felt the need to take care of his family, to do what was right, to provide, to be this person. And he ended up giving up all of his dreams just to do what he felt like he needed to do to be a good man. So it says, it's the possibility of having a dream come true that makes life interesting, he thought. As he looked again at the position of the sun and hurried his pace, he had suddenly remembered that in Tarifa, there was an old woman who interpreted dreams. 
The old woman led the boy to a room at the back of her house. It was separated from her living room by a curtain of colored beads. The room's furnishings consisted of a table, an image of the sacred heart of Jesus, and two chairs. The woman sat down and told him to be seated as well. Then she took both of his hands in hers and began to quietly pray. It sounded like a gypsy prayer. Gypsies are looked at as thieves and he used to have dreams as a little boy he would be so afraid that he'd go and get like kidnapped by one so he's kind of putting himself in a position that doesn't really make him comfortable but he wants to understand what his dream means so he's willing to go to this random gypsy woman who reads his palms and interprets his dream for him very interesting said the woman never taking her eyes from the boy's hands and then she fell silent the boy was becoming nervous his hands began to tremble and the woman sensed it he quickly pulled his hands away i didn't come here to have you read my palm he said already regretting having come he thought for a moment that it would be better to pay her fee and leave without learning a thing you came so that you could learn about your dreams, said the old woman, and dreams are the language of God. When he speaks in our language, I can interpret what he has said. But if he speaks in the language of the soul, it is only you who can understand. But whichever it is, I'm going to charge you for the consultation. Another trick, the boy thought, but he decided to take a chance. I have had the same dream twice, he said. I dreamed that I was in a field with my sheep, and when a child appeared and began to play with the animals, the child went on playing with my sheep for quite a while, continued the boy, a bit upset, and suddenly the child took me by both hands and transported me to the Egyptian pyramids. Then, at the Egyptian pyramids, he said the last three words slowly, so that the old woman could understand. The child said to me, if you come here, you will find a hidden treasure. And just as she was about to show me the exact location, I woke up both times. I'm not going to charge you anything now, she said, but I want one-tenth of the treasure if you find it. The boy laughed out of happiness. He was going to be able to save the little money he had because of the dream about hidden treasure. Well, interpret the dream, he said. First, swear to me, swear to me that you will give me one-tenth of your treasure in exchange for what I'm telling you. The shepherd swore that he would. The old woman asked him to swear again while looking at the image of the sacred heart of Jesus. It's a dream in the language of the world, she said. I can interpret it, but the interpretation is difficult. That's why I feel that I deserve a part of what you find. And this is my interpretation. You must go to the pyramids in Egypt. I have never heard of them, but if it was a child who showed them to you, they exist. There you will find a treasure that will make you a rich man. So Santiago was super surprised and then he was a little irritated with the woman because she wasn't really giving him enough information and he felt like she kind of wasted his time and she told him, well, you know, your dream was a difficult one. You're not even paying me. So this is all you get. Santiago goes to say, well, how am I going to get to Egypt? And the gypsy woman pretty much says, I don't have a damn clue. You've got to figure that out. I did my job. Goodbye. Santiago ends up going to the plaza and he goes to get some wine. He's just kind of relaxing, I guess, you know, thinking, reflecting on what this woman had just told him. But it goes to say the boy knew a lot of people in the city. That was what made traveling appeal to him. He had always made new friends and he didn't need to spend all of his time with them. When someone sees the same people every day as had happened with him at the seminary, seminary, <laughs> You know how I get with these books. I'm doing my best, guys. 
They wind up becoming a part of that person's life, and then they want that person to change. If someone isn't what others want them to be, the others become angry. Everyone seems to have a clear idea of how other people should live their lives, but none about his or her own. And if that is not the fucking truth, I don't know what is. I feel like we all get this pressure from the people that we surround ourselves with. And that's why it's so important to find a good group of people or one friend or two friends or just surround ourselves with people who have good values and good morals that we've talked about before. And we also need to be mindful that we're not putting these expectations on the people around us as well. I've done this for so long for my family members, some of my friends. If I didn't feel like they were living up to their potential, I felt like I needed to push them more. I needed to help them get there. And that's not my job. That's their job to live their life, do what they want to do, get to where they are supposed to be on their own, in their own way. And I had to do that reflecting on myself and say, hey, Sid, you are putting too much pressure on these people. You are expecting too much out of people. And that's not what you need to be doing. Like worry about yourself, get yourself to where you need to go. And if these people that you're surrounding yourself with aren't on the same path or aren't going the direction that you are or where you see your life going, then maybe these aren't the people you should surround yourself with. So it's just kind of doing that reflection or self-reflecting to understand that you could possibly be the issue in your friendships too or your relationships with anyone. And I definitely, it took me a while to really sit and realize, like, you can't be a savior, Sid, because some people really don't want to be saved. And it makes me think that I thought I was better because I was pushing myself more or doing more than these, like, friends or family of mine. And that's such a negative way to look at it. And now that I see it, like, I was doing it with good intentions, but I actually was kind of like a negative force in that. So Santiago is just chilling in this plaza. He decides to pull out his book and start reading because he's obviously a baddie and reads. Um, So he's reading his book and this old man comes to sit down next to him. Uh, The old man tries to strike up a conversation and Santiago's not really having it. He's just kind of wants to be left alone. And the man obviously keeps attempting to start up a conversation. The old man asked Santiago what book he was reading, and he honestly kind of wanted to be rude to this old man because he wanted to be left alone, but he didn't really know how to pronounce the name of his book, so he just kind of showed it to him, and the man says, hmm, looking at all sides of the book as if it were some strange object, this is an important book but it's really irritating. And the boy was shocked. The old man knew how to read and had already read the book. And if the book was irritating, as the old man had said, the boy still had time to change it for another. It's a book that says the same thing almost all the other books in the world do, continued the old man. It describes people's inability to choose their own personal legends. And it ends up saying that everyone believes the world's greatest lie. What's the world's greatest lie? The boy asked, completely surprised. It's this. That a certain point in our lives, we lose control of what's happening to us and our lives become controlled by fate. That's the world's greatest lie. That's never happened to me, the boy said. 
They wanted me to be a priest, but I decided to become a shepherd. Much better, said the old man, because you really like to travel. He knew what I was thinking, the boy said to himself. The old man, meanwhile, was leafing through the book without seeming to want to return it at all. The boy noticed that the man's clothing was strange. He looked like an Arab, which was not unusual in those parts. Africa was only a few hours from Tarifa. One only had to cross the narrow straits by boat. Arabs often appeared in the city, shopping and chanting their strange prayers several times a day. Where are you from? the boy asked. From many places. No one can be from many places, the boy said. I'm a shepherd, and I have been to many places, but I come from only one place, from a city near an ancient castle. That's where I was born. Well then, we could say that I was born in Salem. The boy didn't know where Salem was, but he didn't want to ask, fearing that he would appear ignorant. So what's Salem like, he asked, trying to get some sort of clue. It's like it has always been. No clue yet, but he knew that Salem wasn't in Andalusia. If it were, he would have already had heard of it. And what do you do in Salem? He insisted. What do I do in Salem? The old man laughed. Well, I'm the king of Salem. And Santiago started to think, okay, like this man's some kook. He like doesn't know what's going on. He's crazy, whatever. But he continues to listen to him. The old man asks, how many sheep do you have? Enough, said the boy. He could see that the old man wanted to know more about his life. Well, then we've got a problem. I can't help you if you feel like you've got enough sheep. The boy was getting irritated. He wasn't asking for help. It was the old man who had asked for a drink of his wine and started the conversation. Give me my book, the boy said. I've got to go and gather my sheep and get going. Give me one tenth of your sheep, said the old man, and I'll tell you how to find the hidden treasure. The boy remembered his dream and suddenly everything was clear. He then believed that this man must have been the husband of the gypsy woman and they were both trying to just scam him out of his sheep and the treasure or money. Before the boy could say anything, the old man leaned over, picked up a stick and began to write in the sand of the plaza. Something bright reflected from his chest with such intensity that the boy was momentarily blinded. With a movement that was too quick for someone his age, the man covered whatever it was with his cape. When his vision returned to normal, the boy was able to read what the old man had written in the sand. There in the sand of the plaza of this small city, the boy read the names of his father, his mother, and the name of the seminary, seminary he had attended he read the name of the merchant's daughter which he hadn't even known and he read things that he had never told anyone so then obviously he's gonna like believe this man because he's like oh shit you know some shit all right you might not be as crazy as you seem santiago goes to say well why would a king be talking with a shepherd awed and embarrassed for several reasons, but let's say that the most important is that you have succeeded in discovering your personal legend. The boy didn't know what a personal legend was. It was what you have always wanted to accomplish. Everyone, when they are young, knows what their personal legend is. And I I don't know if I fully agree with this because I've met a lot of people who in their lives just have never known what they've wanted. I can't say the same. Since I was a child, I've known that I've wanted to be an actor or an entertainer. I've always loved to perform for people, make people happy. And I've always just been the like 
clown of my family making all the jokes and dressing up and just acting stupid just to make everyone else happy and like entertained and I love to do it. So I've always known that in my heart I wanted to follow that in some way but I've met a lot of people too though that have never figured out what they really enjoy doing and that kind of makes me sad because I feel like that's a very like confusing thing in your life because you're just supposed to know you're supposed to be like oh this is my passion I know exactly what I want to do like I love animals I want to be a vet and I don't think that's necessarily how it works I think throughout our lives we have to do and try a lot of new things to kind of see what sparks our interest that's why you know, when you start off in school, you might start off with one major and end with a different one. Because when you're trying these different avenues of like expression or things that you feel like make you feel passionate about them, you try it and then you're like, oh, no, don't like that. And then you move on to the next. So I think that's why it's so important to just push yourself and try a whole bunch of random shit that you don't know if you're going to like or not, but you might be a little passionate about or think is cool. And then you try it and you're like, oh, no, fuck this. Or you're like, oh, yeah, that was great. Like, I totally enjoy this. And then you can see where it goes. The old man continues with, at that point in their lives, everything is clear and everything is possible. They are not afraid to dream and to yearn for everything they would like to see happen to them in their lives. But as time passes, a mysterious force begins to convince them that it will be impossible for them to realize their personal legend. And this I do agree with because I think as we get older and we start having obligations and responsibilities, it's harder for us to make our dreams priority over having like a steady house or like if you're married, you know, or have kids, then yeah, you have to find a job that's a steady income to provide for your family and you going out and being an actor or a musician where you're struggling half the time to make ends meet for five, 10 years before you get a good break, or if you ever do, it's easier to just say, okay, well, I'll do what's comfortable instead of chasing my dreams where I don't know what the outcome could be. None of what the old man was saying made much sense to the boy, but he wanted to know what the mysterious force was. The merchant's daughter would be impressed when he told her about it. So he continued to listen to what the old man had to say, and he says, It's a force that appears to be negative, but actually shows you how to realize your personal legend. It prepares your spirit and your will, because there is one great truth on this planet. Whoever you are, or whatever it is that you do, when you really want something, it's because that desire originated in the soul of the universe. It's your mission on Earth. Even when all you want to do is travel or marry the daughter of a textile merchant, Yes, or even search for treasure. The soul of the world is nourished by people's happiness and also by unhappiness, envy, and jealousy. To realize one's personal legend is a person's only real obligation. All things are one. When I think about our purpose on this earth, I 100% believe that we are given gifts or talents that might not make sense. Like, people who are incredible singers, people who are just incredibly intelligent in math and science that just comes naturally to them. We are all given these talents and it is our obligation to ourselves to follow through with them, to see what we can do with them 
to make the earth a better place, to help people, to help ourselves to find our happiness. And I think a lot of times society really puts pressure on us to do what is supposed to be normal or acceptable. They just like pump out sheep of society to just be like these cookie cutter people and like live these normal lives. And like a lot of people don't take the time to really discover who they are and their talents and where they're appreciated. And that's why I love the message of this book. That speaks so deeply to me. And I think that why would we be given these incredible talents if we weren't supposed to use them for something. He goes to say, and when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. They were both silent for a time, observing the plaza and the townspeople. It was the old man who spoke first. Why do you tend a flock of sheep? Because I like to travel. The old man pointed to a baker standing in the shop window at the corner of the plaza. When he was a child, that man wanted to travel too, but he decided first to buy his bakery and put some money aside. When he's an old man, he's going to spend time in Africa. He never realized that people are capable at any time in their lives of doing what they dream of. He should have decided to become a shepherd, the boy said. Well, he thought about it, the old man said, but bakers are more important than shepherds. Bakers have homes while shepherds sleep out in the open. Parents would rather see their children marry bakers than shepherds. Uh, And this is just speaking so much into expectations. When we are expected to be certain people, from our parents, from our friends, we start to suppress these parts of ourselves we become what we are expected to be. And I've done that. I've been that person at some point. When I got into a past relationship before, I was like this crazy wild girl. I love to go out and dance. I love to talk to everyone. I was super outgoing. I was like all of these things. And once I got in a relationship, I just had all of these expectations. I was supposed to be more quiet, more reserved, not talk to everyone. I had to like hold myself to this like higher standard and like I hold myself to a high standard, but I'm a very expressive, loving, outgoing person, and I love to share that with other people, and I felt like over years of having to be this certain person to feel, like, accepted or to feel like an adult, I guess, or to feel like I was enough for this partner of mine, I had to dull myself down so much. And I didn't even know who I was anymore. Like I would look at myself. I didn't know what my style was. I didn't know what my interests really were because so many outside forces were influencing me other than me listening to myself. I also feel like in our lives, we feel like we have to accomplish something first before we can do what we really want to do. Like the baker, we have to save money or we have to have a house or we have to do all of these things to prepare us to then be worthy enough or able to do what we really want to do in lives when that's not true. Yes, of course, you have to have money to travel and you have to have certain things in place, but you don't have to have a million dollars to go and travel the world. You can make things happen if you really want them to. And it talks about that in this book. If you're following your personal legend, the planet and the universe and the world and everything, the energy is going to conspire to help you get there no matter what. And we never realize that because we don't actually try. But if we tried, 
we would see because I've done this myself where I've been like, you know what? Fuck it. I might not be able to do this right now or it might not be the perfect timing, but I'm going to do it. And some it always worked out in the end. I never ended up in a shitty position. I never ended up regretting making that decision. It always worked out. And I think we just have to have that confidence in ourselves to realize like, hey, even if this doesn't go the way that I want it to, I'm strong enough and capable enough to get back on track. The old man goes, in the long run, what people think about shepherds and bakers become more important for them than their own personal legends. And Santiago says like, why the hell are you telling me all of this? And the old man says, because you are trying to realize your personal legend and you are at the point where you're about to give it all up. And he's pretty much talking about him and the merchant's daughter. He's like in love with her. He's like wanting to woo her, see her whatever and this old man's pretty much like hey don't do this you're about to lose yourself and what you really want because of this immediate tangible thing that's right in front of you that you could get easily or it wouldn't be as hard to achieve being with this woman than actually going out and trying to achieve your dreams and doing what you really want to do because all of that is so unknown that you're going to settle for something that you think is more achievable. So then it goes into the old man talking about how he comes in like other forms and ways to kind of set people back on their track. So he has this little story about this miner who had spent like five years of his life out in this river trying to find emeralds and for five years he was working there super hard and the man had gotten so discouraged he was finally like you know what fuck it I'm not doing this anymore I'm leaving this was a waste of my time so then the old man shows up as a stone and he rolls and lands right next to the man's foot he picks it up and he throws it across the river because he's so frustrated he's like fuck it I don't want this anymore I've spent all my time doing this and have never found an emerald And as the stone cracks, he sees there's an emerald inside. So he says, the miner was about to give it all up right at that point when if he were to examine just one more stone, just one more, he would find his emerald. Since the miner had sacrificed everything to his personal legend, the old man decided to become involved. He transformed himself into the stone. The miner threw it with anger and frustration. And then as he picked it up, he saw it was embedded with beautiful emerald. People learn early in their lives what is their reason for being, said the old man, with a certain bitterness. Maybe that's why they give up so early too. So it's kind of just like the story when everybody tells you like when you're working so hard and it might take so many years to get somewhere, you never know when your big break is going to happen. Don't give up. It could be the next day, it could be the next second. If you just keep working, if this is your personal legend and you know it true in your heart and soul, and this is what you love and as frustrating and discouraging as it can get when you don't feel like you're making enough progress, don't give up and don't just settle in your life. After this, the boy reminded the old man that he had said something about his hidden treasure and The old man says, treasure is uncovered by the force of flowing water, and it is buried by the same currents. If you want to learn about your own treasure, you will have to give me one-tenth of your flock. Instead, Santiago says, hey, well, what about one-tenth of my treasure? And the old man says, if you start out by promising what you don't even have, you'll lose your desire to work towards getting it. Because 
If you don't have something already and you don't get it, then you're not losing anything. But if you actually take your time, your effort, and you're giving this up, it makes you push and work harder for something. He gave his sheep to this man. These sheep that he has taken care of and he who have given him things in his life to help him survive and flourish and everything. So if he is willing to then sell these or give these sheep off, then it's going to force him to work harder to achieve what he needs to get because he's given up a part of himself, something that meant so much to him, opposed to just saying, okay, well, if I find this treasure, which it's okay if I don't because I don't have it to begin with, I'm not losing anything, then if I don't find it, then you don't get any either and it's really not that big of a deal. The old man says, tomorrow at the same time, bring me a tenth of your flock and I will tell you how to find the hidden treasure. Good afternoon. The boy goes off, he's reading his book again, but he's not able to concentrate. He's just thinking about all of this stuff that this random old man just came and told him, like out of nowhere. So Santiago's doing a lot of thinking and he says, you know, to himself, here I am between my flock and my treasure. The boy thought he had to choose between something he had become accustomed to and something he wanted to have. And this is where we get torn between our comfortability and actually pushing ourselves to chase our dreams and do things that might not be easy and having that unknown. And that's what frightens everyone or a lot of people. You know, the ones that it doesn't frighten, those are the ones that are successful. Those are the people who are out there making these moves and living their life to the fullest. And the people who are so comfortable and so worried about giving something up just to see what could happen. They, I feel like, live a very regular, comfortable life. And it could be incredible. You never know. The sheep, the merchant's daughter, and the fields of Andalusia were only steps along the way to his personal legend. The next day, the boy met with the old man at noon. He brought six sheep with him. I'm surprised, the boy said. My friend bought all the other sheep immediately. He said that he had always dreamed of being a shepherd and that it was a good omen. That's the way it is, said the old man. It's called the principle of favorability. When you play cards the first time, you are almost sure to win beginner's luck. Why is that? Because there is a force that wants you to realize your personal legend. It whets your appetite with a taste of success. Then the old man began to inspect the sheep and he saw the one was lame, which means the sheep, I guess, wasn't. The sheep was lame as fuck and he said, no, I don't want that sheep. Just kidding. (laughs) I guess like the sheep had something wrong with it or whatever. So he's talking about how the sheep's so intelligent, blah, 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 blah. Where is the treasure? He asked. It's in Egypt, near the pyramids. The boy was startled. The old woman had said the same thing, but she didn't charge him anything. In order to find the treasure, you will have to follow the omens. God has prepared a path for everyone to follow. You just have to read the omens that he has left for you. The old man opened his cape and the boy was struck by what he saw. The old man wore a breastplate of heavy gold covered with precious stones. The boy recalled the brilliance he had noticed on the previous day. He really was a king. He must be disguised to avoid encounters with thieves. Take these, said the old man, holding out white stone and a black stone that had been embedded at the center of the breastplate. They're called Urim and Thummim. The black signifies yes and the white signifies no. When you are unable to read the omens, they will help you do so. Always ask an objective question. But if you can, try to make your own decisions. The treasure is at the pyramids. That you know already, but I had to insist on the payment of six sheep because I helped you to make your decision. 
Don't forget that everything you deal with is only one thing and nothing else. And don't forget the language of omens. And above all, don't forget to follow your personal legend through to its conclusion. So then the old man goes into the story that he wants to tell Santiago before he leaves. He talks about there was a shopkeeper who had sent his son to learn about the secret of happiness from the wisest man in the world. So his son ends up going to this palace. It's beautiful, gorgeous, food everywhere, gorgeous gardens, tons of people. Like, it's amazing. He finally waits like two hours to talk to this man. And the man says, I don't have time to talk to you right now, but I'm going to give you a spoon with two drops of oil in it. And I want you to walk all around the palace, but don't drop any of the oil from the spoon. So the boy walks around for hours. He's like focusing on not dropping any of the oil out of the spoon or spilling any of the oil out of the spoon. Finally goes back to the man and the man says, what did you think of my palace? And the boy's like, well, shit, I don't know because I was focused on this oil in the spoon. And so the wise man was like, okay, well, you never can trust a man unless you see where he lives and you see his home. So I'm going to ask you again, take the spoon with the oil, but go and see everything in this house. And when you come back, I want an like, explanation of what you've seen. So he goes around and by the time he comes back, there's no oil in the spoon. He has spilt it all out of the spoon. And the man says, well, where's the oil? And he's like, well, I can tell you everything that's, you know, your house is beautiful. I can tell you everything that I've seen. And he's like, but you spilled all the oil out of the spoon. So the man says, well, there is only one piece of advice I can give you, said the wisest of wise men. The secret of happiness is to see all the marvels of the world and never to forget the drops of oil on the spoon. The shepherd said nothing. He had understood the story the old king had told him. A shepherd may like to travel, but he should never forget about his sheep. The old man looked at the boy and with his hands held together, made several strange gestures over the boy's head and then taking his sheep, he walked away. So that is pretty much the whole like beginning, like introduction to the story and already so many gems of information, so many lessons that I feel like I could talk about for hours, but I think you kind of get the gist of it. And I think this kind of gets your brain starting to go and think about your own life and your own personal legends. And honestly, I feel like you could read just that part of the book and not read the rest of the book and have so much great information already. Our goal in our life is to find our personal legend. And I've just noticed throughout the years, the more I focus on what brings me passion and what drives me, the more the universe just pops up and is like, here, here you go. Here's an opportunity. Here's this. The universe was just like, keep going. Like you are following your legend. We see you putting in the work. We see you putting in the effort. Just keep going. And like there would be opportunity and like people I would meet and just great stuff happen And as long as you're open to it, you'll see that the universe wants you to be great, wants you to follow your passion, wants you to do all of these things that mean something to you. So do it. So that's going to conclude the first episode because I'm, like I always say, I'm trying not to make these episodes too long, but I think that's a great chunk to start and really get us like thinking. So I will talk to you very, very soon. And just keep thinking about your personal legend, baby.
Love you baddies. Bye.